such a stiff-necked and stubborn people. What are we going to do with them? What are we going to do with us? Welcome to Consciously, a podcast focused on honest conversations for regular people seeking spiritual growth. Here's our host, Menachem Poznanski. Hey, Consciously family, welcome back. It is great to be here and it's great to have you back. I want to welcome everyone to the Consciously podcast. Thank you for joining us. If you're new or a procrastinator, do us a favor, subscribe, give us a five-star review, especially on Apple. It really helps to get the message out there. Also, uh, feel free to share us with your friends, either uh, the live ones or the social media kind. Uh, on that note, check us out on social media. Uh, the Light Revealed on Instagram and Facebook. It's a great place to see the content that we're creating. I, we're just finishing up a, a really great series on the 12 steps, kind of linking them with different themes and ideas from Tehillim. Uh, so looked at, we were looking at three different themes within each step that correlate to a theme in Tehillim. So it was, that was a lot of fun, actually. So I encourage you to check that out. Also, we have two books, Consciously, Six Steps to Living Vibrantly with Your Creator, with Our Creator, and uh, Stepping Out of the Abyss, A Jewish Guide to the 12 Steps. You can check that out on Amazon, Jewish bookstores, all that stuff. As I reported earlier, we had more discussions today about a reprint um, of Stepping Out of the Abyss because uh, it's out of print. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. We're working on some great stuff, and I have another literary project that I'm coming to the close with. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to publish that, but uh, you can listen out for that. Finally, we really love to hear from you. So send us questions, consciously the podcast at gmail.com, questions, comments, concerns, uh, or you can contact us on social media at The Light Revealed. There's an idea that I learned a long time ago that really stuck out for me, and it actually correlates to the the previous Parsha, last week's Parsha that uh, passed. And we're actually kind of still in the middle because we're right in the middle at this point in time in the discussion of the destruction of the construction of the Mishkan in the uh, in the desert. And right in the midst of that process, at the center of that, is the story of the Egel Hazav of the the Golden Calf. So now, in the midst of that story, there's an interesting sequence of Sukkim of passages that utilize the same word to describe the Jewish people. And the great tzaddik and hidden chassid, uh, Rav Shamshim Rafal Hirsch, has a fascinating idea about this that has kind of like really resonated with me. First of all, I th- I'm not sure if I've talked about this idea before, but but it's worthwhile to comment on again. Um, first of all, it resonated with me because it validated some of my distress in dealing with my fellow Yidden. My, my my brothers and sisters, um, and but also because it speaks to the nature of the ideal of Judaism and what it is that you know on a spiritual principle mindset, what it is that Judaism is putting forward. So Moses is on top of the mountain for forty days, and God is teaching him the entirety of the Torah. He's received the tablets uh, that contain the Ten Commandments, the Aseres Hadibros, and at the end of that sequence of events at the end of that period of time, actually at the very, very end, because Moses had told the Jewish people that he was going to be gone for 40 days. And on the 40th day, which was only 40 days from the day that he left, and they misinterpreted, and it was really the four, it was should have been the 41st day that he was going to come down. Nonetheless, on the 40th day, the Jewish people get anxious and overwhelmed. They start to panic. They have what my 
one might call a panic attack. And in their efforts to grapple with their fear, they allow some seedy individuals to direct them into a place where they start to worship a golden calf, right? Which is a whole thing in and of itself. You know, they, they gather together gold in order to create a, a mamutsa kind of connecting point with God because Moses was not available. And they threw this block of gold into the fire and out came this golden calf. And then they started to worship the golden calf. And they became so deluded that they even started to identify the golden calf as the energy which took them out of Egypt, which is absurd, right? Which speaks to the nature of human beings. We can get so wrapped up in whatever we're doing that suddenly it's like, oh, this is, yeah, yeah, this is what's always been going on. We can kind of create the narrative in a distorted way, which makes you wonder, what are we manufacturing right now that is not actually true? But anyway, that's a different story for a different day. So they begin to worship this golden calf and they engage in all sorts of negative behavior, much of which God just just literally asked them not to do. He spoke directly to them, only time in human history um, that that occurred from within Jewish tradition. And God is on top of the mountain, and he turns to Moses, and he says, Leich you're going to have to descend from your greatness, from Gedulascha, from your greatness, because your nation has become corrupted. And then he uses a derogatory term, or a seemingly derogatory term, towards the Jewish people. They are am kashe oref. They are stubborn and stiff-necked. Right, that that somehow their return to idol worship in their act of the of the golden calf was a a representation of a fundamental defect of character, of a negative trait, which was now emerging this Amkashe or of this stubborn and stiff-necked people. So God has had enough of the Jewish people. He's done with them. Um, <clears throat> later on in the in the in the psukim, in the in the narrative, God uses that term yet once again. He calls the Jewish people Amkashe Orif specifically when he's discussing the fact that he's not going to manifest as intensely within the Jewish people as had previously been planned, right? There's going to be layers of separation between the way in which God's presence will come down into the world and be manifest within the Jewish people versus what what was going to be before that. And he calls the Jewish people an Am Oref. And the implication there, if you read the simple reading of the Pesukim, is that this is a derogatory, it's a pejorative term. It's a, it's a negative term. It's a, it's a term of, not a term of endearment. It's not something positive. It's a, a negative trait of the Jewish people. These are an am kasheorif. They're just a stiff, stubborn, stiff-necked people. And then, but then something interesting happens because we know Moses prays for forgiveness for the Jewish people. He descends, right? They, they, they root out the, 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 the idol worship that's occurring, um, they they kill the rabble rousers, the the people, the negative element that was present. That's part of the, the narrative, and the Jewish people, you know, engage in teshuva and in, in in repentance for their for their sin. And Moses Moshe Moshe Rabbeinu goes to God and he beseeches God that God should manifest Himself as acutely as He had re- originally planned. And according to some commentators, this is actually the reason for the Mishkan, that previous, right, there's a discussion in the commentators about whether the Mishkan was always part of the plan, whether a, a physical house of God was always part of the plan, or there was, but nonetheless, the function of the Mishkan is to create a place of Vishachanti B'Seichem, where God, God's presence will be acutely um, present uh, within the Jewish people. So, and what Moshe Rabbeinu does is, Moshe Rabbeinu refers to them 
as Am Kshayorif. Now, that's a very odd thing. This is where Rosham Shumafor Hirsch comes in. This is a very odd thing because in the previous sequence, you would assume at face value that Am Kshayorif is actually a really negative thing. But then Moshe Rabbeinu seems to use it as the very reason that God should manifest himself, should be Veshachanti Besaychem, that he should be present, he should, his presence should lie with the Jewish people because they are Am Kshayorif. And what Rav Hirsch does, and this is not necessarily consistent with how other commentators interpret it, but nonetheless, just to get away from kind of the textual understanding of what it is or what it isn't, right, the idea that Rav Shamshim Lefar Hirsch is teasing out, which is beautiful, is that actually Am Kshayorif is the greatest compliment that God could give the Jewish people. That in fact, Rav Hirsch says, the reason why God chose the Jewish people to be the Mamlechas uh, Kohanim, Vagai Kadosh, to be the, uh, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, was precisely because they were Am Kashay Oref. And this idea is reflected in the teachings of Hasidus. My friend Joey Rosenfeld was just recently doing a, a really nice episode about this idea, about the idea of Azaz de Kedusha, this kind of um, holy stubbornness that's present. And Rav Shem Hirsch says that, in fact, the reason why God chose the Jewish people was because of their stubborn nature, meaning because of their tendency or their capacity and ability and nature to strongly hold on to what they know to be true in spite of all the, the challenges that come their way. And Rav Hirsch says that, in fact, the reason why God becomes so unenamored with the Jewish people um, during the time of the ego is because their action to give in to their anxiety and distress about Moshe Rabbeinu being late, so to speak, which I'm sure was distressing. And and the Medr says that, that God gave the Satan the power to show the Jewish people that Moshe had died. So the the we can't, you know, play down the, the kind of test that they had, right? As if like we would do better. But nonetheless, right, that their anxieties about what was going on and their lack of faith and trust in the process and in God and in themselves and in their own capacity to have a relationship with God and to survive, so to speak, even if Moshe Rabbeinu was not going to to um, to return, right? That was actually a reduction, a stepping away from what was their most important quality. You see, because if God chose the most gullible nation, it wouldn't be very significant to take the most gullible, easygoing, kind of conscientious people and stick them in the land of Israel. Not that the Jewish people don't have beautiful qualities, and conscientiousness is definitely part of our our, our nature, right? Kindness, compassion, these are all kind of very Jewish, you know, uh, cultural principles and, and ideals, and, and it's part of our DNA. But nonetheless, the reason why, Rav Hirsch says, God chose the Jewish people is particularly because of their stubbornness, because he wanted to take this stubborn people, and because he was choosing them for a very, very lofty and challenging path, which is to try to establish a nation built on spiritual principles. Like, it sounds nice to establish a nation built on spiritual principles, but it's not the most practical thing in the world to do. It's not the easiest thing in the world to do. And that's what God wanted from the Jewish people, for the Jewish people to establish a kingdom and a nation and a, a creed uh, based on the spiritual principles that he was putting forward. So he chose this Am Kshay Oref, so that when they 
the way that in the which Rav Hirsch interprets the the passages, when God says to Moshe, they've gone and they've served this idol and they are Am Kshayorif, he's actually saying, these are great people. They have such great capacity and they've stepped away from their capacity and their their strength and given in to their, their lower impulse. So this, this is a beautiful idea because it it reflects two things. First, that you know, God doesn't pick us, choose us for our job because we're so nice and sweet and, you know, shepsels, you know, because we're, we're such pushovers. He chooses us for our mission because he specifically wants us to manifest our strength and our courage. That's one thing. But the other more powerful thing is that sometimes the thing that seems the most bad turns out to be the most good. And that doesn't mean that the thing that's the most bad is not complicated, because you see, even if you were to take how Rav Hirsch approaches this and then mix that with the way in which, let's say, for example, Rashi interprets those psukim, it could be that the the nature of Am Oref, that nature of the Jewish people to be stubborn and stiff-necked, is both the thing that should have given them the strength to overcome the nisayon, the challenge of the golden calf, and it is also the thing that caused them to sin in the golden calf because they were holding on to their old ideas from Egypt. They were clutching on to their old ideas. As the Medrash says, when the Jewish people were walking through uh, Kriyas Yamsuf, when they were walking through the, the Red Sea, right, with the walls of water standing over them, they were clutching on to their idols. It was only after they saw the Egyptians dead on the shore that they were able to totally abandon their Egyptian idols, which which could represent like physical pieces of wood, but kind of on a spiritual plane or on a on an interpretive plane. And what it means is they were holding on to their old ideas of Egypt. And here they are. God just gave them the Torah. He revealed himself openly to them. And they returned to that path. They're Am Kshayorif. They're stubbornly holding on to their old ideas. And yet this nature towards stubbornness, this nature towards skepticism, towards maybe even agnosticism, is actually the thing that could have been the strength according to the way that Rav Hirsch is interpreting it, that would have helped them to overcome this challenge. So sometimes the thing that seems the worst is actually the best. The problem is actually the solution. And this is an idea that we've talked about that's reflected in the teachings of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, right? The Rebbe constantly in his, in his teachings will pose a question, and then the answer to the question is the question itself. If you look back, we... We did a nice episode on this early, early on when Chaim was still, uh, Chaim and Shmaya were still kind of very present, and we did a whole episode about jokes and punchlines, and you know the the joke and the punchline being one and the same, right? So we talked about that at length. But there's there's this this powerful idea of sometimes what we're most overwhelmed with is exactly the solution that we're looking for, and the the shift therefore is not to do something else but rather to change the dynamic of what we're actually already doing. So the significance of that all here as relates to this idea of Am Kesheorov is, first of all, a validation that, you know, we're complicated people. I mean, aside from the fact that we've gone through thousands of years of generational trauma, which makes us complicated. In addition, the nature of the Jewish people is to be stubborn, and that part of that stubbornness is a sense of survival mechanism, like we're always getting through things, and sometimes that means trying to get over on things or finagling, you know, like double parking, which seems to be a Jewish thing. Uh, so that's one part. 
you know, it's just part of our nature. And instead of kind of being overwhelmingly frustrated by it when we step on each other's toes, to begin to recognize, you know, there are Maimari Chazal, beautiful Maimari Chazal, that talk about, as I alluded to earlier, the way in which the Jewish people are Baishanim and Rachmanim, that they're, we, we tend to be a bashful people and we tend to be a compassionate people. And that's obvious from anybody that's, that's observed Jewish communities uh, throughout the world. But we have this other quality, this Amkshe Oref, that's on the one hand a badge of pride and also complicated, complicated for each other, but also complicated when it comes to faith and trust. It means an orientation towards being more agnostic, more questioning, wanting to always ask the extra question. Jews classically, perhaps this is why, answer questions with questions. We always want to know more, and there's a certain stubbornness in that. And in the Sfarma Kadoshim, it talks about the idea of an Azaz to Kedusha, a certain holy stubbornness, of just not backing down and sticking with it, no matter how many challenges a person encounters, or no matter how much their insights tell them, you're not worth this, you're not worthy of this, you're not going to do it. It's not going to work out. But in addition to that rough around the edges aspect of Amksherif, there also is this sense of pride that we can have, the Jewish people can have, in the sense that God chose us to be that way. And to ask ourselves, where should we, and this relates to this idea of Azaz de Kedusha, where should we be displaying our Am Oref, where we currently are not? Where are we not being enough ourselves? Where do we need to allow that space from within ourselves to emerge outward? Because oftentimes what happens is that we orient sometimes some of the rougher aspects of our character as, let's say, negative, and then it feels as if the most operative approach is to only reduce and even suppress those qualities. But oftentimes those qualities are critical and necessary. And it's finding the space and the way in which we are supposed to do that that is most important and most reflective of being the people, the person that we are meant to be. Being stubborn for what's sticking with it no matter what and not backing down no matter the naysayers. So I think the message is lean in and own it. Or as they say in the vernacular, you do you. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Have a great week. Thank you for joining the Consciously family. Consciously is brought to you by The Light Reveal, a social media publisher bringing messages of Jewish spirituality and recovery whoever is looking for Consciously is made possible by the kindness of the Capellius family in memory of Tapora Bas Ravara. Our producer is Morty Schwartz. Our audio engineer is Alps, and our artwork is by Tani Puss. Our social media team is led by Tehil and Asanian with help from Zoe Posnansky. The assistant to the regional co-host is Shmaya Hanekman, and our music is by Eitan Katz featuring Z. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can give us a review and subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you get your podcasts. We love connecting with you, so please feel free to email us at consciouslythepodcast at gmail.com or private message us on Instagram or Facebook at the Light Room.